The Mix Room with Genelec. Today we're welcoming Chris Alderton, guitarist from four-piece British rock band The Amazons, onto the podcast. So welcome, Chris. How are you doing today on this unseasonably warm day for England? Hello. I'm very good. I'm, I am quite warm, sat here in my little cupboard, but uh, I'm doing very well. How are you? In a cupboard? Oh, you must be very warm in there then, yeah. Yeah, it's under the boiler as well, so it's a real double whammy. Oh, wow. It's just the, the perfect, well, the, not the perfect place to sit, should I say, today, hottest day of the year. My own personal sauna, I don't mind. Yeah, I've actually, I'm in a flat, but I've had to close all the windows just to make it soundproof. And it's, uh, yeah, it's heating up in here like a little box mm-hmm. I'm in at the moment. So that's lovely. But um, on we go. We don't complain about the weather here, especially when it's probably going to change tomorrow from what I've seen. So we yeah, better enjoy complaining. it. Make the most of it. Mm. So how what's been going on for you um, during the last year? I'm guessing you'd normally be touring, doing festivals around about now. So which tours, you know, and gigs and that have you had to miss, unfortunately? Well, uh, the Amazons were touring the US as the first, like, COVID cases were starting to hit the headlines across the States. So I think maybe a week after we got home, the UK went into its first lockdown. So compared to other artists who were maybe just starting their campaign, they kept, the timing for us was actually pretty good. Uh, we were kind of due a break anyway, because we've been touring for like eight weeks together. So really, uh, I think the Amazons have been pretty lucky in that respect. And uh, what have we missed? I mean, yeah, we did have a lot of festivals planned this year, and we were planning to go back and do our own headline tour of the States. Uh, would have been last autumn. So sadly, missed out on that. And it, it sucks because all the momentum we had sort of gained being out there at the beginning of the year has just kind of gone to waste, which is a bit of a shame. But we'll be back and we'll hit them just as hard again. Yeah, you'll definitely be back, of course. I know you're in the same boat as many, many other bands and acts, but it's just they all feel the same. They start to get this momentum and then you're sort of struck down in the prime of, you know, the the tour life and all of that. But um, sounds like you're doing particularly well in America then if you've had a few tours out there. We've done a few like little gigs uh, in the usual like New York and LA just to kind of feel out like labels and if people even like us out there, you kind of have to gauge that at the very start. Um, and then, yeah, we did that tour. Was, I think it was about 30 dates um, in a row, with, obviously with some breaks, but our first ever like proper US tour was in 2020. We went around with a band called Dirty Honey, who are... Very Guns N' Roses-y, but great lads and we had a great time. And that, the kind of crowd they drew was basically Guns N' Roses fans. <laughs> so they were like these old rockers with like pulling up on their Harleys and stuff. And funnily enough, we connected quite well. I was going to say, that fun. sounds like a pretty good match for the Amazons, to be fair, in terms of a crowd to be with. Yeah, it worked out. And I mean, it, it meant we got to see all the, just these weird people in America. And that's kind of what you want to see when you're out there, just... I'm fascinated by the very strange sides of that country. There's so many deep, dark recesses. Um, and I, yeah, it just fascinates me, all that stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Every time I've been there, you do see some sights, don't you? Mm-hmm. I mean, they probably think the same when they come here. Yeah, I do always think that. Because, like, I, I live in London now, right? And I love being in London. But I remember asking loads of, American people, if they were like, oh, uh, like, oh, I've been to London, like, it's so good. I'd be like, did you really like it like that much? I guess because <laughs> I'm, fr- I, I grew up very close 
it's like it's not that amazing and i find it like very odd that someone would come here and be like wow look at the like i don't know like same starbucks that they have in america and i don't know i'm i'm trying to i haven't managed to really explore london cuz i moved in during lockdown so i need to like get out there and try and fall in love with it you know yeah i think it's just um you get a bit blasé to it living i live quite close to london as well and you know, you might talk to someone from America or wherever, and they're like, oh, my God, London. Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah, it's just down there. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But I suppose they've got the cool stuff in different countries, but they've got the weather as well, which we usually don't have. So yeah. especially if big you've thing. moved in during lockdown, the big thing at London is having all the things there to do, which, of course, there's been none of during the last year and getting that kind of, depending on where you are, of course, it could be more dangerous uh, depending on the location in London or more of a kind of hipstery vibe or just... Mm-hmm. you know the swanky bits but i guess you haven't had a chance to have a look at many of those bits yet yeah not really i've been stuck inside i've uh in your cupboard just yeah my little cupboard after um after the first lockdown i started actually illustrating gig posters and artwork for other artists as well as the amazons of course of course uh, which has been super fun like find like i find the steep learning curve at the beginning of any like learning process like super rewarding Mm. um so i've been really getting my teeth into that so i've I've been spending a lot of time sat on my desk drawing these like weird posters and stuff okay Uh, obviously not the best time to start drawing gig posters but actually probably a really good time to learn that's kept me pretty busy yeah that's the right way to think about it lots of practice time and all that so is that what you've spent loads of the year doing then just um illustrating while you've not been on tour unfortunately yeah I mean, it's it's been between that, which has helped me to bring in a little bit of extra money as well, which, you know, we've needed with the lack of mm. festivals, which is the thing that drives our bank account pretty much. Um, and we've started working on our third record, of course, with all the time we've had. Mm-hmm. That's been very busy. We're super excited about it. And I think like when we're talking about this as a band, this being our third record now, and I think this happens to loads of bands. I think everyone kind of realizes that not everyone gets that many chances to really push out of their bubble and make something of themselves. Like you can keep on putting out like decent albums and we've got a a great fan base who are super supportive and they'll continue to be there. But like pushing further out of that, I think you only have about three chances to do it unless you're like Red Hot Chili Peppers and you change your sound like drastically. Mm. So I think we're we're absolutely putting everything we can into this next record, and um, we've now been arranging all of the songs just in my front room, like us three of us around my computer. Which you know, usually we'd be sat in a recording studio together, playing our instruments live, and then recording it to like get a feel for the song. Mm. Um, but actually, the the lockdowns forced us to adapt our creative process to the current climate and it's kind of led us down these different paths to music which we probably wouldn't have created otherwise yeah it's been quite an interesting exercise and i think it's um it's kind of worked out i suppose i mean having that like this much time is definitely uh, a luxury i think Mm. yeah absolutely there's going to be a lot of new music um i predict obviously coming out after this time with all the musicians and artists being at home for so long um a lot of people mm-hmm. like you've just used that time so that's great so um uh, what um what can we expect from the third album if you're allowed to say what sort of sounds or are you keeping it quite close to your chest at the moment 
Uh, it's definitely much more sort of hopeful and upbeat than our second record, I think. Um, okay. I, I, I mean, Matt does the majority of the writing and he's now in a very happy relationship. And I think no one, no one coming out of lockdown wants to hear about like how hard it was or mm. how lovely you were. Like no one wants to listen to that. I don't think anyway. No. So, um, yeah, really focusing on the kind of lighter side of the Amazons and like pushing into that and seeing what we can kind of draw out of it really. And it's, it's been really fun. And I think it's going to be a, a great record personally. Okay. But I would say that. You would say that, of course, but you have I to would, say it. Yeah. You're hyping it up. That's, that's, what, that's your job. <laughs> yeah. And when's that coming out roughly? Or are you not sure on the exact dates yet? We're not sure yet. We're currently uh, trying to figure out who's going to produce it and where we're going to do it whether or not we can go to the States or not. Um, and yeah, just getting the last bits and bobs together, really. So it'll probably be 2021 sometime. Okay. Yeah. And do you have a preference on studio? Where did you do the last two? We did the first one in a studio called uh, Assault and Battery in... Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I like her. Wilsdon. That's with Alan Mulder and Flood. We didn't do it with them, but it's their studio. Yeah. Uh, and we did that one with Catherine Marks and then we continued on with Catherine for the second record and did uh, one at Mono Valley in Wales, which is sort of the sister studio to Rockfield. Okay, yeah. Um, it's where Black Sabbath did like some demos or something. Uh, it's also on the front cover of um, What's the Story, Morning Gloria, I think. Wait, is it that album? Hang on. I'm going to have to check this. Check Google will tell you. Quick Google um, break. Yeah. Don't we get my facts wrong? No, we wouldn't want that. What's it saying? Uh, Suspense. Oh, it doesn't matter. It's where Black Sabbath did some of that. Oh, that's <laughs> still of, cool, though. That's we'll pretty cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, that was like properly in the sticks in the first residential studio we've done. So we stayed there every night uh, and you woke up at like 10 and that was it you just lived and breathed studio mm-hmm. it, was, it was really good though I actually really enjoyed doing it that way you properly like got enveloped by the process yeah totally immersed in it um do you think it helps the creative sort of um flow when you're just staying somewhere and being really focused on it like that yeah I'm, I really liked it I, I I think we're probably actually gonna try something different for the third record I think we've kind of we've done being isolated now and I actually think some of the the reasons that a band would go out into the middle of nowhere to record an album are kind of in like rock and roll history now but somehow it's kind of just continued being a thing like oh yeah we're going to go out in the middle of nowhere and put ourselves in these weird like mountains or whatever mm. like the Amazons aren't like drug addicts or like party animals like we don't need we don't need to be completely separated from civilization to be able to actually just focus on doing a record. So I think on the third one, we'd actually really like to do it in a city that isn't London. Um, so that if we do want to get, have a break or like go out and find some sort of inspiration, it's like, it's right there. It's not just a forest and a nice river. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, you've clearly tried a few different ways. You could try another one for the new one, see what comes yeah, of it. I think, 
keep it fresh yeah exactly and what about um when you were a kid were you always obsessed with music and guitars you know what music were you into then um I actually I really don't think I was particularly obsessed with music when I was growing up I had the usual like mum and dad music my dad loves um David Bowie and we had tons of like compilation CDs of just like guitar hits which is great and I think that's partly why I'm drawn to you know the rockier side of music um but really the first time I sort of like fell in love with the band is when uh it was in like I think maybe year five so I was like seven years old and my best friend at school Ben had burnt a copy of Rage Against the Machine live at the Olympic Auditorium on a CD and I don't know why it was the live version I don't know why he gave me that one I guess it was just the only thing he had access to and I became completely obsessed with that band Mm. and then Ben the same friend from school his brother had a Yamaha Pacifica electric guitar which is like a cheap Strat copy and Ben could play some of these Rage songs like if you've ever heard a Rage Against the Machine song very like it's just like banging riff that's super easy to play um a title getting screamed over the top of it mm-hmm. and then like a weird Tom Morello solo and like bam you go Rage Against the Machine song so like learning them was very easy because it's like one or two riffs and you've got the whole thing and so because Ben could play some of the songs I'm I'm pretty competitive so because he could do it and I couldn't I then had to like I had to get myself a guitar and learn it myself mm-hmm. but because he already had the guitar I couldn't I couldn't also get a guitar like if we were going to start a band can't have two guitarists so I had to I was demoted to bass okay so I went to my parents and I said okay, um, like for this Christmas, I really want a bass. And they were like, why would you want a bass? Really, a bass? Like, you should just learn the guitar, and then if you want to play bass, you just take a couple strings off and you're there. And um, so they, they flat out refused, and they, they got a guitar. So I started learning all the guitar parts and eventually ended up um, having weekly lessons with this guy called Alan Wycart, who just lived up the road. And we just kind of played for fun. Like, I'd go in every day and well every week and he just said like what do you want to learn today and i'd choose a song or he'd choose a song sometimes did a lot of like eric clapton um smoke on the water of course all the classic first guitar um tracks um and it was good but it was just like it was a hobby i wasn't i wasn't good enough to do it professionally so i just never really expected to fall into actually doing it Mm. full time and after learning to play guitar, like I sort of got introduced to all these bands through playing their songs. Like I very often would like learn a song with my teacher and that would be the first time I'd heard this song. And then I'd explore the bands and the music behind it. Mm-hmm. It was kind of backwards in that way. Mm, well, you got around to it in the end. And um, did you ever get your hands on a bass eventually? I do indeed, yeah. I now have a nice uh, Japanese Fender P bass. Lovely, lovely. And um, so the Amazons formed in 2014. So where did you all meet? How did you form as a band and work out your sound? So me, Matt and Elliot, the bassist, have been playing for about 11 years in total. So uh, me and Matt uh, went to school together and 
while we were at school, we played like in this terrible band called Metal Mouth. Mm-hmm. It was three of us, three teenage boys, no drummer. And we just sit in the practice rooms at school and like argue over what songs we should cover. So we do that for about an hour and then <laughs> like play like half a song. And they'd be like, all right, I'll, I'll see you later. Like we're done here. Like what's the point? But somehow Matt thought I was capable enough to join his, like he was in loads of bands at school. I could join his like proper band. They were called Peers. Um, it was Matt and then two of his friends who we'd met at like a local rock school. Mm-hmm. So they're in this band peers and they needed someone to like fill out the sort of just fill out the sound of the band so they wanted another guitarist and i was chosen so we played in that band for a little while uh but eventually it dwindled out after some like minor success buzz very much within the industry though like nothing big um and then after a little break we created the amazons and we brought in joe after our drummer left, so we had to replace him. And we auditioned eight different drummers to try and get someone who could play as well as the last guy. We had people come in and like tickling the, like playing really jazzy and we didn't want that. Um, had people come in who just said they could play, but they couldn't really. Um, some people were just like too weird to handle. And <laughs> um, eventually we had Joe come in and he he was playing bass in another band, um, in like a local Reading band. And he just came in and like absolutely smashed the drums. It was so loud, but we were kind of used to that and it just clicked. And he's a super fun guy. Um, and the rest is history, really. Yeah. And they, they didn't want to take the name Metal Mouth. That wasn't floated, that idea? No, <sighs> definitely not. Okay. Awful name. R.I.P. Metal Mouth. Right at the bottom of the bar. Yeah, R.I.P. It was fun <laughs> while it lasted. Okay. And... Um, you said, um, did you say it was Matt that does most of the songwriting in the band? Yes. So he, he does all the lyrics and usually the mo- vocal melodies. And then uh, we'll take what he's done and arrange it as a band. So everyone writes their own parts most of the time. Um, and that's usually how the sort of Amazon sound comes out. I think if any of us try to write a whole song, it just doesn't sound right. doesn't fit. Okay, got your own method. And um, so you released um, the Don't You Want an EP in 2015. Your most recent release is 2020's Future Dust um, Expanded Edition, yeah. of course. So um, how has the band evolved during this time in terms of your sound, your songwriting, or has what inspired your songs changed over that time at all? Hmm. I mean, it definitely has changed quite a lot. Uh, a lot of the songs in Don't You Want are recorded in... Um, they recorded in, I was at university when the Amazon started doing a sound production and digital music course. And we recorded the drums for a few of the songs on that EP in one of the lecture halls, just with like some drums, just some mics, like randomly placed on the kit. And then we did the rest in the bedroom with like Matt with like a quilt over his head and that amps pushed up against my bed so that it would like dampen the sound of the room. Mm-hmm. Um, so since then, I mean, I think everyone's become better musicians, much more confident. Playing live makes makes a band. Like if you can, we could now go in the studio. I think we'll probably be a bit rusty now, but 
we could do a live take and it would sound great. But when we were first doing these things, like that would be quite tough. So now, now that everyone can play, it comes with that confidence um, to try new things. And in terms of inspiration for the songs, I think we started so early and so many of the songs that are on the early releases for the Amazons are songs that we'd had in peers. So like some of them are like five years old when we released them. So they're still about like first loves and like stupid nights out with our friends. And now I think, I mean, like I said, Matt does a lot of the writing, but I think it's much more about his life at the moment. And then sometimes he started doing this thing where he just cuts out like interesting phrases from a newspaper. This is only for a few tracks, by the way. This is just an example of kind of where we're going and what, what he's trying to do. And he'll just lay out these random phrases and then just try and pick out something that he likes and write a song about it, which I think is quite interesting. And I know the Beatles did some of that. Mm. Obviously, we're very different, but yes. uh, it's an interesting way of sort of trying to find something that isn't just like all about me or, you know, just trying to write something a bit different. Mm, absolutely. Um, so in, it was 2017, so um, you released your self-titled debut album. It shot into the UK top 10. It was the highest charting rock debut album in the UK for three years. So, you know, as we know, the charts have been quite dominated by, I guess, more R&B and pop and those kind of sounds um, mm. in recent years. So how does it feel to know those sort of rock fans are out there and there's always a place for rock music in the charts whenever it arrives? Yeah, I mean, it was great. I think we were lucky to get so sort of hotly tipped by the BBC um, and getting that radio play is such a massive part of kind of getting any sort of success in the UK. Uh, and we were very luckily just kind of chosen for that stuff. There's no doubt anyone who's big, there's obviously a, a massive amount of skill and um, commitment put into the projects, but luck is like a massive part of it. Like I know loads of incredible musicians and great bands that just can't catch a break, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the rock fans are always out there. There's, there's people that are still like discovering some of the like classic bands now growing up. But, and how can you not listen to the Beatles and the Stones and not like fall in love with it? I just, I think it will keep happening and people will always be out there listening for it and looking for it yeah absolutely agree and um, with Spotify and obviously other streaming platforms now do you find that people discover you via being on perhaps some kind of rock playlist and you're getting new fans in that way is it working for you with the streaming side of things yeah I think so I mean we've had some good um, like playlisting especially when the albums come out like things get pushed really quickly onto these like like new music Friday for example, mm -hmm. is where I discover a lot of music and I think a lot of other people do as well. Um, what else have we had? Like Walk Like a Badass. We're on that one. I think we're still on that one. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's definitely paid off. I think I think we definitely thrive when we're playing live and I think we can really grab people's attention that way. But it's good to know, especially with, uh, what is it, like artists you might like or whatever. Yeah. Um. It definitely it just it kind of pushes people to discover more music instead of just listening to the same stuff that they like over and over again. Mm. I think there's nothing 
the ability to just listen to whatever you want and like the click of a finger can only be a, a good thing yeah it does open up a whole world literally of music to yeah. everyone yeah. um the click of a finger like you say um we used to find it amazing that we had it all in an ipod unless did we know what was around the corner um yeah sometime <laughs> yeah different times Anything you want for no money pretty much well yeah and um obviously it doesn't i know there's been a lot of things about spotify in particular in the news this year and well not just this year about is it fair for the artists how what has your experience been and um, with that side of things uh, well i don't think we've seen any money from streaming platforms but that's partly because we're on a label and any of the money we do make goes straight to them oh sure yeah and then the rest goes into usually our recording budget okay which will um, come in handy for the third album yeah but i mean if i i definitely think it's it's hard to see like big executives at Spotify and Apple Music making so much money off of other people's art. Um, I think it can be made fairer. And like, sure, it, you know, most of the money does go to our label, but once we've recouped, so once we've paid back what we've been given to record the album, then the money starts coming to us, but still yet to happen, which I think would probably shock quite a lot of people. It certainly shocks me, but we'll get there. It's mm. a good target. It's um, it's probably well, it's, I'd say definitely, it's a lot more common than people think, and it's not something like you say that the average music listener would even know about, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think if if you're not clued up about it, it's worth looking up as, like how much money artists get for like a thousand streams. I think it's a one p or something. It's just silly. It's silly money. It's really so low. Yeah. But that's why we hope, obviously, that touring comes back. So obviously, like you say, it is such a big revenue driver for bands and artists out there. Um, so we can only hope that um, things sort of get back on track. And surely by next summer, let's hope, fingers crossed, touching yeah, we'll at see. the same time, you mm-hmm. know, things start to look up because uh, yeah. it's dragging now. It's dragging a bit, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah, dragging a little bit. But um, I think you're probably best known uh, for the song Black Magic. And I saw this is the official walkout song for your hometown club of Reading FC or yes. is, is that your hometown or are you all from Reading did you say yeah we're all from in and around Reading oh, I, nice. actually, I actually think we're um I think we've we're not doing that anymore oh you're not oh sorry <laughs> I think no no I, I actually they haven't I replaced you the, have they um yeah I, I don't know who we've been replaced by we'll we'll have to just write another banger for the football fans yeah. and they can have it again but yeah, we went to, well, it was, it was the song, the walkout music for maybe two years, I think. And they invited us down to a bunch of games. It's so weird seeing, or just hearing your track being played at that like pivotal moment of a football game. Mm. Super surreal, especially as we all grew up going to the Medeski, which is the stadium they play at. Um, yeah, and it's just like a bit of fun. It was cool. Yeah, no, that's good. Is that the um, song that fans react to the most, would you say, when you perform live? Yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll pretty much play that one last every time. Nice. Nice choice. Um, and it's really fun for us to play as well. So it's kind of a win-win. Yeah, absolutely. And um, did anything change for you after the success of that song in particular? That really caught attention, got a lot of radio play, etc. Um, I think it made us look at sort of what kind of band we wanted to be a little bit more like Black Magic was a song that we weren't planning on putting on the first record. It was kind of on the back burner. And 
uh, Catherine somehow managed to like find this track and listen to it because I don't think we gave it to her. I think maybe she asked management if we had anything else and they threw this track over and she was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. Like we have to do this song. So I think it's it's made us look at some of the songs that maybe we wouldn't consider or we just sort of pass on and actually look back uh, back catalog instead of going like, oh no, that's old news, like we don't want to do it, but actually look at it objectively and go like, oh, this bit's really good, we should take that. Or this whole song's good, we just need to rearrange it or change a part. So it's kind of helped us really squeeze everything we can out of um, the ideas we have. Okay, no, that's good to hear. Interesting sort mm-hmm. of development from that. And um, you said you've been working on the new music at home, you know, for obvious reasons. Uh, do you have a home studio set up there? Yes. I mean, it's extremely rudimentary. I don't live in a big flat. And like I said, um, it's currently in the boiler cupboard. Mm. <laughs> I'm making do. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, you get a surprising amount of bass from this. I guess it acts as like a giant cabinet. Yes. Um, but yes, I have, um, just a little, uh, UA Apollo twin. I uh, just got a nice new Mac mini with the M1 chip in. Nice. And of course, a couple of Genelec AT10A speakers. Oh yeah. So I heard you, you're a newfound Genelec lover and you got them last year. So now you use them for everything, including, like you said, for all your production and demoing that you're doing with the band. So how did you get introduced to them? Uh, my girlfriend, um, Danny Bennett Sprague is a recording engineer and she's been working with, uh, Craig Sylvie at the moment and also doing her own engineering work on the side. And she won the breakthrough engineer, I think. Yeah. The MPGs. Yep. <laughs> yes. The MPGs and, um, Genelec were one of the sponsors. So she offered, uh, some speakers. And she used them and said they were really good. And I was looking for something with a slightly smaller footprint that I could fit into my cupboard. And these have been nothing but the perfect fit for Mm. the boiler cupboard. Okay, good to know they can fit your cupboard requirements. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm guessing we're using another brand of um, studio monitor before that then. So before, uh, at, at my parents' house, I have a much larger room and I have a pair of Adam uh, A5Xs, which are great. I still really like them. Okay. Although, I don't know if I'd change back. I'm not just saying that. I think these are these are really, really good and super fun to work with. Hmm. Um, I think it, it's kind of part, because they're so small, the, um, the sound isn't like super hyped or like high fidelity. Mm-hmm which I guess doesn't sound like a grip, like a, like a really good thing, but these are the first speakers I've ever used where I know for a fact, if a mix sounds good on these, it'll sound even better on a larger system because the frequency response is so flat. So if, if it sounds like full and like the bass is in the right place, then when you put it on a bigger set of speakers or on your headphones, it, you suddenly get like this like wave of like super exciting low end and you hear all the highs come out everything sits so perfectly it's kind of that ns10 effect but 
without that ridiculously high price point. And actually, I don't even think they sound that good on their own. Okay, yeah. Yeah, the reason I asked about um, if you were using another brand for, I'm just curious if when you first heard the 8010s, did you hear, you know, a, a really noticeable difference other than the fact that the other ones obviously won't fit in your cupboard, of course? I think a massive part of using studios because it's just getting used to them. Like, I think if you go from any set of speakers to another set of speakers, especially when they differ so much in size, it's going to sound very different. But once you get once you get used to them, then you're used to them. Like, I used to, um, way back in the day, I used to mix on these, like, massive tower speakers that were my dad's. I, like, hauled them up the stairs and put them in my bedroom. And the bass, like, because they're hi-fi speakers, the bass is, like, really massive and the high end like they're just super hypey but like once i got used to them it was fine and once i figured out that actually the bass is really hyped up so i need to keep that way down in the mix um i i sort of got the hang of it but that's why these have really worked out for me is that i no longer have to worry about what they sound on other systems like if i go and play something i've worked on one of the demos i'm going to play in my car it's just like sounds massive. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's, it's it gives you that extra confidence of not having to worry about what it's going to sound like on another system because mm. yeah. you just you just know it's going to sound great. Yeah, I get that a lot with speaking to the Genlec users. Uh, they just feel that confidence that it's going to translate to wherever it may be that uh, it ends up being played. So that's great. And you um. Obviously, you're, you're sort of doing the demo, I'd say, stages of the album at the moment. So I was just curious yeah. how the, before you, you know, eventually pick a producer, a studio and that, but how do these um, Genlec monitors help you with that production and demoing stage um, for the new album? Um, well, a big part of the demos we're doing is uh, trying to get producers and the people working with us at the label and our management excited about what we're doing at the moment. And with the help of the Genelex, like it's the same thing I was talking about a minute ago, where I know if I'm, if the mix sounds really good here and I send it off to the label, it's going to sound good. And whatever, you know, crappy iPod headphones they're listening to them on, it's still going to sound great. Mm. And it's such a massive part. I think, I think maybe it's, slightly misunderstood that if you're signed the people who are then working for you aren't they're not always super excited about your project you have to grab their attention with great sounding demos or your enthusiasm or like you know keeping up friendships with these people otherwise you end up just kind of being forgotten about and you know in terms of looking at the bigger picture sending great sounding demos to the label like helps us a lot in every respect really yeah it's absolutely essential then in that regard so um i'm sure they'll be impressed whatever um crappy headphones they're listening to your stuff on eventually (laughs) (laughs) you'll know it came from a good cupboard and a good place so yeah um so other than the album that you're preparing to release eventually i did see so you're touring with royal blood next year so that's exciting yeah yeah i really can't wait it's gonna be some of the biggest venues we're gonna play in um the UK and Matt's been spending a lot of time with Mike Kerr who's the front man for Royal Blood because uh, they both live down in Brighton and I'm I'm really excited just to like meet them and kind of get to know the the two guys from Royal Blood I think it'd be really fun 
Mm, yeah. uh, and we're going to Europe as well. And I cannot express how excited I am to just travel again and see different cities and landscapes. I know. Can you imagine even being on a plane now? Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm going to be so happy to sit in the back of a transit van <laughs> with like a neck pillow and a <laughs> neck yeah, the neck pillow. I forgot about the neck pillow. Oh, everyone's yeah. going to be digging them out eventually. Mm-hmm. Dusting them off. Yeah, exactly. And so where does this tour start then next year? So it starts in Bournemouth. Uh, we go to Birmingham, Cardiff, Nottingham. Uh, we're doing the O2 in London, uh, which I'm unbelievably excited for. It's going to be so cool. Mm. AO Arena in Manchester, which is great as well. And Glasgow. Glasgow. Doing the SSE Hydro there. Oh, cool. What an excellent all, memory all, you have, remembering yeah. that off the top of your head, Chris, may I say. Hey, thank you. I do try. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I can tell you're really excited about that. And as are all the fans of music, and um, oh, I can only hope that it goes well for everyone involved. In that yeah, the, rea- the reaction we've had from fans has been overwhelming. I think people really love the pairing of us two on the same bill. Yeah, it's a good fit, isn't it? Yeah. I'm so excited. Absolutely. Okay, then, Chris. Well, on that um, note, I will leave you today to go back to your. Oh no, you're in the cupboard at the moment, aren't you? So to enjoy the cupboard and maybe some hot uh-huh. weather at some point in the outside. Um, so thank no, you so much well. for um, for joining us today on the podcast. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you so much, Alice. You're so welcome. Well, we'll look out for what's next from the Amazons with your new album, and best of luck with all of that and getting the demos together. Thank you. You're very welcome. All right. See you later then, Chris. Bye. 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 Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.